Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I'm your host, Doris Hansen, and our show tackles the hard question about Mormon polygamy and its founder, Joseph Smith, especially the question that we ask, is polygamy true expression of God's love? But before we get started on this show, we'd like to let you know that if you or someone you know needs to escape from polygamy, you can contact us. Uh, you can go to our website, shieldandrefuge.org, or you can call us on our toll-free number, 877 877- 7-425-9993 and we can discuss your situation confidentially. Or if you would like to have uh, be a guest on the school on our show, or if you have any questions about any of our shows, you can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. And now I would like to welcome our co-host back again, Earl Erskine, again, Hi. former nice. bishop of yeah. the LDS Church. <laughs> yes. And talking about all of this history that we've been doing the past couple exciting. of shows. This is exciting. This is really a good one with uh, Fanny Stenhouse. It's, uh, this Does it ever make you go, I wonder why I didn't know these things when I was part of that church? It really does. <laughs> you you think, well, how, how is it that I missed all this? Yeah. Because you know, these books are missed. out there. Yeah. yeah, they are. They're out there. Yeah. This book's been published since 1872. Yeah. <laughs> we just are unaware of it. Most of, most of us are unaware of it. Well, last time we began a two-part show that was reviewing the story of Fanny Stenhouse and her experience in pioneer Mormon polygamy um, and how she and her husband eventually recognized that Mormonism was a deception and that Brigham Young especially exploited and deceived the Mormon people and especially to heighten his own esteem and his personal finances and, of course, his personal harem. After they got away from Mormon Utah, both Mr. and Mrs. Stenhouse wrote books about Mormon Utah, Brigham Young, and uh, polygamy. Fanny's books, uh, two of her books are uh, an expose of polygamy in Utah, which was published in 1872, and another one entitled Tell It All, uh, which exposes polygamy for the abuse that it heaped upon women, and her experience is uh, written in both of these yeah. books. Very good books. You can purchase either book online at Amazon.com. I got mine at Utah Lighthouse Ministry. You can go to utlm.org and order either one of these books, and they are very good if you want to know about early Mormon polygamy. Fanny Stenhouse was converted to Mormonism in Europe. She and her husband uh, came to America sometime after that, and they lived in the East for a while before moving to Utah. But Fanny dreaded coming to Utah because it was certain that in the isolation of the West, she and her husband would be trapped into a life of polygamy. She knew that. Her fears were well-founded because Mormon leaders, including Brigham Young, pressured her husband into polygamy, which they called celestial marriage. This other wife would be Belinda, who was a daughter of Parley P. Pratt. Fanny's response to her husband choosing 
a second wife went like this. She writes this in Tell It All on page 434. I, of course, was not expected to ask any questions or evince any curiosity respecting the girl or my husband's relations towards her. I had given my consent. I had acted my part, or at least all of the part that was expected of me. I had fulfilled my duty as a Mormon first wife when I agreed to another wife being taken, and henceforth all that transpired was, so the elders would have said, no business of mine. And that's the way it, it is that? when the man takes a second wife. It's no business of the first wife. Well, of course, Fanny was devastated, but at the same time, she knew it was coming. And according to her Mormon faith, she was required to accept it and live the rest of her life sharing her husband with at least one other woman. And she, along with all the other plural wives, were taught that this painful polygamy was God's command, and they must buckle under the pain and live their religion or end up in hell about the experience of first wives as they watched their husband court new wives she wrote this they know what it is to watch the course of a husband's <coughs> courtship and note how he progresses with his wooing and they could if they dared tell the painful feelings that rankle in their breasts at such a time nor is the new wife much happier. The girl against whom the first wife now feels so bitterly will, in all probability, someday be as unhappy as she is now. In due course of time, when the wooing is over, she will be brought home, will have her little day of triumph until her lord and master deems it necessary to add another jewel to his crown, and then her heart will be rent, as the first wife's was, and another crushed and degraded victim will be added to that list of suffering women who have become martyrs to this heavenly order of marriage. You can wow. just tell the anguish in yeah. what she writes, and a couple more coming up, too. We can just feel that pain. Yeah. Annie, <clears throat> or Fanny acknowledged that Belinda was a nice and a very attractive girl, which, of course, didn't make it any easier for her to accept, accept her as a rival wife. She knew that this agony wasn't Belinda's fault because she was just as much a victim of polygamy as Fanny herself was. She said that she would have liked Belinda if they had known each other under different circumstances. Although she hated the very idea of doing it, she considered it her duty to her rival future sister wife to uh, give her some kind of cordial attention. However, as the impending wedding day approached, she experienced such a sense of apprehension, she said she felt like a condemned criminal facing her day of execution. And when the actual wedding day arrived, she wrote this about her feelings. Utterly cast down and brokenhearted, I felt almost as if the Lord himself had forsaken me, and there was no one to whom I could look for aid. I could not go to my husband in that hour for sympathy, for I well knew that his thoughts must be with his intended bride, and that my sorrows would only trouble him at a time when he must desire to be at peace. She's agonizing over this, knowing that her husband was no longer her husband only. And she withdrew into herself, knowing that she would never be able to love his new bride. Their private, exclusive, monogamous marriage was no more. He, <clears throat> he now belonged to two, and neither one of them would ever have him all to herself. Again, she said this. Yeah, such pain. I was utterly miserable. It was only in the dead of night in my own chamber that I gave way to the terrible anguish that was consuming me. God and my own soul can alone bear witness to what I suffered in that time of woe. 
That night was to me such as even the most God-forsaken might pray never to know, and morning dawned without my having a, for a moment closed my eyes. <laughs> you know, coming from polygamy, I have heard stories of first wives and the agony that they suffered in the first wedding night of, sharing of a plural sharing wife. Sharing their husband. I can't imagine. Fanny writes that <clears throat> after she had become a plural wife, her status in Utah's polygamous society changed. She was now one of them. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was one of those who shared the painful experience of being a displaced first wife. Other plural wives made her feel included because she said they were all caught in the same trap together now. I guess misery does love company. Huh? And, and they shared a little bit, <laughs> and too. they shared their misery, as we'll read here. <laughs> Every polygamic wife, whether first, second, third, or tenth, cannot help feeling that her position is inferior to that of a monogamic wife. The influence of this supposed revelation is by no means elevating or refining. I was now upon an equal footing with other first wives. They had no hesitation in confiding to me their griefs, and I had abundant opportunities of hearing stories of cruelty, wrong, and suffering under the celestial system, many of them so utterly revolting that I would not dream of relating them again. Polygamy among the Mormons is so involved in disgusting and disgraceful details that a modest woman would not dare to relate all she knew. In this book, I have endeavored to be true to my title and to tell it all as far as such a thing was possible. But there are thousands of horrible incidents, too degrading to men for mention, which form part and parcel of the system of polygamy, but which no woman who had any respect for herself would think of putting upon paper. Wow. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah. And it makes me wish that she had done that Shared because we'd have a lot more shows to do on this particular, <laughs> but she didn't. Anyway, polygamy was bad in early Mormon, is as bad as it is now. Fanny's husband had started a newspaper that he called The Telegraph, and it was the first daily paper, she said, that was ever published in Utah. It was remarkably successful from its beginning, partly because Brigham Young had told the Mormons to support it. Brigham Young knew he had a faithful father with Mr. Stenhouse and that if the newspaper was successful it would also benefit himself and at this point um, it, his assumption was true that Mr. Stenhouse was faithful uh, because he did believe that Brigham Young was the prophet he claimed to be and a faithful servant to God. His belief in Brigham Young however was about to change. The Telegraph soon became the leading newspaper in Utah, which by necessity required Mr. Stenhouse to travel outside of Utah to the mm -hmm. eastern states from time to time. And Fanny writes that after his travels away from the church's influence, Stenhouse's newspaper editorials <laughs> began reflecting more liberal opinions. Sometime after Mr. Stenhouse had married his second wife, Brigham Young suggested he take a third wife and offered him one of his daughters. Yes. Fanny was, obvious, uh, was obviously against having another plural uh, wife, but she sensed that something was about to change. She didn't know what it was, but she just sensed there would be something drastically different in their situation. So she kept silent about it. Her husband's understanding of the outside world was gradually undermining his confidence in his religion and in Brigham Young. And so she writes this about that. 
And it gave me courage to hope that after all, the day of liberty might dawn at last. Feeling as I did, I regarded with more and more distrust the proposed marriage of my husband to Brother Brigham's daughter. For I felt that then he would be deeper than ever in the toils of the priesthood. And I sometimes almost believed that it was my duty to use every influence in my power to prevent it. Putting my own feelings out of the question, it is probable that I might have done this simply for his own good, for I doubted not that some day the scales must fall from his eyes, and then he would be thankful that I had prevented the marriage. So she was uh, it, seeing it, changes. She was seeing it. She was understanding that something was up, and so she was wise in yeah. following that sense. Fanny decided at this point that it really didn't make much difference anyway. How many wives her husband had, his marriage to yet another wife couldn't make her feel any worse. So his marriage, to propo marriage proposal to Brigham Young's daughter was accepted, but... As it turned out, she was, uh, he was betrothed to a very young and a very feisty young girl. Now, it was about this time that Fanny had reached her point of ultimate frustration regarding the entire ungodly Mormon system and its barbaric polygamy. So she decided that she was going to reread the, it wasn't section 132 then, but that's what it is now. But she was going to reread Joseph Smith's so-called polygamy revelation, and that was the beginning of the end of Mormonism and polygamy for both she and her husband. This was her reaction after she read it again. About this time, I procured a copy of the Revelation on Celestial Marriage and read it through carefully and calmly from beginning to end. When a copy of it was first given to me years before, I was so angry and indignant that when I got only partly through it, I cast it from me in disgust as an outrage. From that time, although I had heard portions of it quoted and read, I had never perused it as a whole. Had I done so, I have not the slightest doubt that my eyes would have been opened to the absurdity and the wickedness of the whole system, and years of wretchedness would have been spared me. <laughs> Isn't that sad? She finally read the whole revelation from first to last words and was shocked by its wording and its grammar, that it contradicted the Book of Mormon and the Bible, and as well as all the standards of basic morality. She has more to say about it. What blasphemy, blasphemy to represent God as one day giving a revelation, declaring a thing sinful, and the next day justifying it. I felt perfectly humiliated with myself. I now made careful inquiry and was soon clear to me, it was soon clear to me that the doctrine of plural marriages originated in the licentious hearts of Joseph Smith and those associated with him. When once I was convinced of that, the whole fabric of my religion crumbled before my eyes, and from that time I can hardly say that I had faith in anything that had been taught me. Wow. <laughs> that would have been a turning point for show. And, yeah. and of course, this is what we hope and pray for all Mormon fundamentalists, yeah. that they would just back up a little bit and really take a logical look at all this. Now, Mr. Stenhouse was courting his soon-to-be third wife, but quarrels were erupting between those two, and they were happening even more frequently. She eventually just broke off the betrothal, and Mr. Stenhouse would not be taking Brigham Young's daughter as a third wife. But during this time, and as a result of the sufferings that all plural wives must endure, 
his second wife, Belinda, was becoming a very unhappy second wife. Mm. She realized that she was just another jewel in the crown of her husband, as it were. She wasn't someone special, but she was only just another wife. <laughs> One of her children at that time became very ill and eventually died from the illness. And, and that, even though Fanny, you know, had that jealousy between her and the second wife, the child uh, and, the, and the grieving of yeah. the mother uh, brought yeah. her uh, and also Belinda, of course, where their attitudes both were plunged into even deeper decline because of polygamy. Mr. Stenhouse had been a faithful and loyal member of the Mormon Church now for 25 years. He had always had great confidence and regard for the prophet, but Fanny writes this. I believe that my husband would willingly have laid down his life if by so doing he could have shielded Brigham Young from harm or have been of essential <coughs> service to him. But causes were now in operation which by and by detached him from the church and made it possible for me also to leave the Mormon faith. Hitherto, for my children's sake, I dared not leave the church without my husband, and I therefore anxiously watched for anything which might rescue him from the bondage in which he was held. And as we see these things happen, we just see this, this take place and then this, just like it's moving their lives yeah. away from polygamy and then away from Mormonism. Well, circumstances were certainly changing things. Mr. Stenhouse's uh, newspaper was very successful yeah. and it had been headquartered in Salt Lake City where the hustle and bustle of business and the population was the greatest. But Brigham Young's sermons were becoming more and more wild and arrogant. Yeah. And he claimed the right, he was claiming the right in his sermons to dictate in everything about the Mormons, even telling the women what stockings or ribbons they could or couldn't wear. And of course, he was saying that in his sermons. This fanaticism was causing opposition and talk of apostasy among some of the members, which caused even more denunciations from Brigham. Fanny said this. Brigham Young in one of his sermons says that the first thing manifested in the case of apostasy was the idea that the prophet was liable to make a mistake. When a man believes that, he has taken the first step toward apostasy. He need only take one step more and he's out of the church. Now that sounds familiar, doesn't yeah, it? Even it today, does. Brigham Young was saying the same thing then, you know, like the prophet can't make mistakes. That's right. Why are they saying now that Brigham Young was just a man who made mistakes? After you read something oh, like no, this, they were true. preaching they don't make it's mistakes. Just that's a man spoke yeah. as a man sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's some contradiction going on there. But anyway, this method of sermonizing was having the effect of alienating her husband and his newspaper articles were reflecting his condition of mind. Now, to add insult to injury, Brigham Young accused Mr. Stenhouse of publishing favorable advertisements of stores owned by Gentiles. Oh no, Terrible. Yeah, no, no freedom of press, no freedom of speech, no freedom no. of choice. Isn't that awful? Yeah. So no, no doubt, you know, that's how newspaper sure advertising is a big portion yeah. of the finances yeah. in publishing a newspaper. I'm so glad that we know Mormonism true. It's so darn controlling. Yeah. Um, and it still is controlling. But anyways, things began to unravel in the formerly Mormon-controlled minds of Mr. and Mrs. Stenhouse. 
As these issues took the course of turning them against Brigham Young and Mormonism, one huge problem remained. Yeah. He was still married to Belinda. Still a right. One day, her husband came home with the news that Brigham Young wanted him to move his newspaper out of Salt Lake City and into Ogden and publish from there. And they both knew at that point yeah. that this was just a ploy by Brigham Young to destroy their finances and their business. She wrote this. I do not doubt that long before this time he had noted, I guess Brigham Young had noted that my husband was weakening in the faith, but he had waited for his opportunity and now he considered that it had come. We knew very well that this was the way in which he had always acted towards those whom he feared or doubted. When he saw them growing weak in the faith, he ruined them before they finally left the church. That was his, that's the way they did it. he would it. justify it because, okay, they've left mm -hmm. the church. Yep, yeah, they're doubting the prophet. And, oh, so uh, Mr. Stenhouse still, though, was in those throngs of the, you know, the in-between. that He still was faithful towards Brigham Young and the church. And so he obediently uh, moved his business to Ogden. But Belinda didn't follow him there. Uh, soon their worst fears, however, were realized. Um, the Ogden environment was not uh, able to sustain his paper, and they were heavily mortgaged in moving. They had to move and get a building and all that, and there was no favorable economic future that they could see. As it turned out, their son, Fanny um, and Mr. Stenhouse's son, became terribly ill, even to the point to where they doubted that he would live. Fanny and uh, her husband decided to travel where he lived, which was in San Francisco, and that so upset Belinda, she threatened to divorce him if he left and went to San Francisco. Well, it was his son, and so he and Fanny did go. And soon after they returned back, Belinda divorced him. Well, I took care of that problem. So there we see these little things taking place, you know, that's freeing them up away from the Mormon system. Well, Fanny and Mr. Stenhouse were gradually becoming freed from the strongholds of Mormonism and polygamy. Mr. Stenhouse had not regularly attended their School of the Prophets, which they had during those days of Mormonism, and Brigham Young used the excuse of irregular attendance to disfellowship him. Oh boy, what power. <laughs> <laughs> what power. This yeah. is what she wrote. And she wrote this. Brigham's assumption of the right to disfellowship men from the church because of irregular attendance at the school was a stretch of authority which startled my husband. What will he do, not do next, he said. To submit would be to acknowledge him absolute and me a slave. But there is but one alternative now, slavery or freedom. Cost me what it may, I will be free. Don't you love that? Yeah, Don't you just love that? <laughs> yeah. Cost me what it may, I will be free. Yeah. They knew, he knew, she knew that that Brigham Young had his tentacles and everything that had to do with Mormon life yeah, in they Utah. They had to know that, yeah. And, and he knew that if he gave in at this point, that he would be under Brigham Young as a slave, slavery yeah. to every whim that he had. And he said, cost me what it may, I will be free. That's yeah. so great. I just wish there were more people do that today. And so began the long, painful process of freeing themselves from Mormonism. After an attempt on their lives and many other acts of violence and shunning after these events, she wrote this. 
it's kind of sounds like uh, Colorado City or some of those other it places. It does, doesn't it? It is no secret that the police of Salt Lake City, for it is the police who there commit murders and other in inhuman outrages, treat with the greatest brutality all the unhappy Gentiles and apostates whose misfortune it is to fall into their power. This is also... This also is the wretched effects of the fanatical teaching of the church. These men believe that Utah is Zion, the kingdom of God, and that citizens of the United States are but intruders upon this holy ground, that they ought to be driven out and despoiled of everything, and even murdered if opportunity offers. They make no secret of these feelings toward the Gentiles and towards apostate Mormons. It is shown, if possible, in a somewhat stronger manner. And you that know this is tough. It, it was tough. Yeah. People wanted to leave it. If you, I don't know if you've read Wild Bill Hickman's stories and and no. some of those, but and he was an assassinate assassin One of the for um, for Brigham Young, and yeah. he he wrote a story, and he went out and killed people. Sometimes he said they would dress up like Indians, so it looked like the Indians did it. But if a, somebody wanted to leave Utah and Brigham didn't want him to go, then he was sent out on the mission to make sure they didn't and leave the valley. They were so isolated here that they, they had that it. kind of control. They could do it, and they did do it. Wow. And, and like you say, today's polygamy groups, the FLDS, have what they call the God Squad. It's been in the news yeah. and on the paper. Sure. And others, uh, polygamy groups, have silent spies that they spy on their members. Uh, but God, God works in peace and gentleness and patience. Yeah. He doesn't work in, in the fear and murder and shunning that these people were working in. Uh, and, and you know, as we go through this story, there were so many twists and so many turns that we couldn't possibly tell all the details here. But the Stenhouses finally did escape the Mormon machine. Eventually, he was able to sell the newspaper and move to New York, and they did get out, and they did get oh. away. <laughs> and, and it was a, a way that they were able to write their books. He also wrote a book. Um, about their life in Mormonism. And of course, you can find, like I said, the books online. Um, and, and I would really highly recommend that you read them. They are good books. They're, uh, they're honest. They're heart-wrenching. Uh, you'll never see Mormon polygamy in the same light again yeah. if you'll read their books. That It's the one that we took this show from, this one and the last show is Tell It All, published in 1972 by Fanny Stenhouse. So get the books and read all of the story as we kind of skimmed over it quite quickly here. Yeah. But isn't that scary to read what they had to go through? And yet their belief and their faith is so strong. I mean, I related to what he was saying about giving your life for the church. I mean, that's something we hope never would happen, but it was in the back of our minds that this is the truth. It's a true church, and we'd give our lives for Zion and the building up of the kingdom. So it's, interesting it's scary to be so blind. About the Zion thing, um, as I became a Christian and was reading in Psalms, it says, only Jerusalem is Zion, okay? Yeah. We'll end with that one. <laughs> Thanks, Earl. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it again, you know. Uh, as I close today, I would like to share some closing thought from Fanny's book. She said, a woman can never be truly happy in polygamy. They may publicly say they are, but privately they suffer tremendous emotional pain. She said that out of the evil which man originates, God alone can produce good. Fanny wanted the whole world outside of Utah to know about this barbaric Mormon polygamy and to see it completely destroyed from civilization. She prayed that the veil would be gone from the eyes of enslaved Mormon men and women, that they would reject the priesthood which was 
polygamy, that they would realize that God never required that they should be degraded this way, that they would shake off the slavery and captivity of Mormonism and polygamy by claiming their rights. She wanted to see Mormon polygamists free, and so do we. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.